0: Good morning and welcome back to the Wake Up With Glow podcast with me, Glow. Today we're going to be discussing triggers and trying to understand whether it is more appropriate for us to avoid or confront the triggers in our lives by better understanding what it means to be triggered in the first place and what exactly our bodies, our physiology, is trying to tell us when we are triggered so the first question i'd like to pose is why do we avoid what triggers us and the reason that we avoid being triggered or having been triggered and dealing with it appropriately is because we believe that avoiding what upsets us is the best way to prevent pain So now what we've done is we've already drawn a straight line from trigger to pain, relating these two things, which becomes an important part of our understanding of the triggering process. The purpose of a trigger is to remind you of what still needs healing. It is not an attempt to destroy you. It is not life's way of reminding you that you are in fact destructible. It is a protective mechanism as is all pain in your life. A protective mechanism and an instructive guide for you to take the authority and correct what is taking place and inflicting that pain on you. The more that we avoid our pain, it's important to note, the more our sensitivity to that pain tends to grow. And triggers themselves, they forcefully push us out of the illusion of comfort. It is impossible to remain in a position where you have much unresolved pain. And if you are not living in a box on an island away from all of humanity, you are likely going to find yourself at some point in a position where you are triggered by something or someone that brings up that unresolved pain in you. And this is what makes it so incredibly important for us to be able to get to the source and the root of our pain during the time frame that our bodies and our emotionality permits us to, because as I like to remind you all, you don't get to just choose when you do the work. The work has to choose you in a way. There is a time in which your perspective has shifted sufficiently enough and has aligned in a way where you are physiologically prepared to deal with the threat, the threat that is revisiting past pain, past hurt, and incidents that we never got to process and reframe in ways that made them more manageable as parts of our story, which they inevitably are. The, there is a, a really great essayist who said this um, she said that the ingenuity of self-deception is inexhaustible and I, I love these words because what that says is that you, you brilliant creative creature, unfortunately with the creativity that you have been born with, that creativity can also be used for you to deceive yourself in a million different ways. and. It's remarkable the ways that we can come to interpret what is happening to us, the ways that we can contort the reality of what we're experiencing in order to cope with that reality. And rationalizing, it happens so quickly that the best that you can do is recognize that you are rationalizing as quickly as possible and examine other causes for your reaction. To be able to note when you are suddenly creating a justification where perhaps one is not needed, or maybe it is, but you're contorting the truth in order to comfort yourself rather than observing how you are responding or reacting, rather, and trying to trace back the source, the trigger. What was the triggering instance or moment that set that trigger up to repeat itself, to recur? And so I want to do this exercise with you all where I have a, a short list, or what I like to think is short, um, of different needs. And these are needs that are commonly held by the majority of human beings, and I want you to listen to me speak these needs out loud, and I want you to jot down at least two, maybe two or three core needs that I've listed that you deeply identify with. Now, I want you to do this because you're trying to identify your needs that when these needs go unmet, they cause you to be triggered. Triggered. And perhaps if you haven't really examined your triggers before, this may come as a surprise. This may be something that you need to really sit and think on. And in that case, I encourage you to write them all down and then go back when this episode recording is over and go through each of them and figure out which ones really resonate with you because there are going to be some that kind of just glide right over your head they don't really evoke an emotional response in you and there are going to be others where you are going to feel yourself in them and so I want those to be the two or three that you write down highlight circle and take particular note of so here are some needs that perhaps you may be dealing with or may hold very near and dear to your heart that go unmet and cause you to feel triggered the first is to be seen do you have a need to be seen or to be valued or to be understood do you have a need to be in control Do you have a need to be autonomous? Do you have a need for predictability? Do you have a need for safety? Do you have a need for a sense of belonging to a group, community, or in the home? Do you have a need for order and orderliness? Do you have a need to be respected by your peers, by those around you? Do you have a need for comfort? Do you have a need for consistency? A need for peace of mind? A lack of chaos? A need for balance in your life, in your routine, in the way you spend your time? I went through these somewhat slowly because I want you to really feel what hits for you. Which of these words tell the story of what you are needing from others, from life, from the world, from yourself? And so when you choose two or three core needs that you deeply identify with, I want you to subsequently begin to notice when your emotional reactions line up with those unmet needs. When you are triggered, if you begin to consciously recognize when you are triggered, because many Don't realize that they are triggered until they've already spiraled out, until they're already stressed, until they already can't deal and have thrown their hands up. If you can identify being triggered as early as possible, then you can begin to unravel what the trigger is trying to tell you. You can begin to notice how your reaction isn't about what you likely associated with. If someone angered you, if if someone raised their voice at you and you became triggered because that was correlated in your mind, in your physiology, to having been yelled at as a child. There are so many ways in which our triggers attempt to teach us about ourselves. And I want you to be able to Take the triggering moment and ask yourself, look around, look at who triggered you, what triggered you. Ask yourself if what you think you're upset about or have a heightened emotional reaction to, if that's actually what is going on or if there's something else. And that is when you tie it back to these needs that I've listed. Are you reacting this way? Are you growing anxious? Are you growing angry or upset Are you becoming emotional because you don't feel seen or because you sense a lack of control or because the incident is impeding on your independence or autonomy or because you find comfort in predictability and this is completely out of range from what you anticipated. Does it compromise your safety? Does it go against the natural order of your life that you have grown accustomed to? Do you feel disrespected? tie back your heightened reaction to the need that is going unmet. This will not only teach you about yourself, but it will allow you to reclaim control over your life and over your emotionality. It will allow you to improve your relationships with other people by understanding your role in the way that you communicate, in the way that you react and respond. And hopefully, it will transition you from a period in which you were only reacting to one in which you learn to effectively respond and communicate what your needs are. Having needs is normal. I don't want you to think about this list and having written down what you connected with and said, wow, I really do have this need for safety insecurity. I really do have this need of belonging or this need for peace. And suddenly, you start to think that this is a poor way to be living, that this is something that you need to get over. And I see this quite often where people think they've identified a need, say, for this example, we'll use the need for independence. And they see how this is the need behind their trigger. And so they automatically assume that maybe I shouldn't be so independent. Maybe I need to learn to let other people in. Maybe I, maybe this is abnormal. Maybe this is not how I need to be living. But this is not intended to teach you that your needs are incorrect. This is a way to teach you about what your needs are so that you can better approach and incorporate other people into the fulfillment of those needs. Because your needs, as we all have our needs, they require a certain level of ha- of being met in order for you to experience things like peace and joy, fulfillment and purposefulness. For you to find meaning, it is a way to maintain a balance within yourself, an emotional balance that's going to overflow into everything that you do in life, and ultimately how you feel about it. So having needs is normal. They developed in the first place because at some point they did serve you. Uh, An example of that would be if you have a need to maintain power, because for you, maintaining power means success. So When you feel out of control, you start to feel like a failure because maintaining control has gotten you this far. And so whenever you find yourself in an environment where you feel powerless, suddenly you start to interpret that you are being a failure because for so long you have been able to translate your power, your sense of power, into the outcomes that you deem successful. And your brain, your brain is programmed in a beautiful but somewhat uh, disappointing twist of events. Your brain is programmed to look for every scenario that's going to deny your established need. Whatever your need is to be seen, to be autonomous, to be safe, whatever your need is, your brain is literally programmed to look for everything in the environment, that's going to deny the fulfillment of that need itself. The need, when it goes unmet, becomes the trigger. That is the order of how this comes to play. And so we have to come to accept and come to terms with the fact that our brains are there to protect us, but they often are operating under a very archaic, outdated model of of what it is. They're they're programmed to protect us from things that we don't necessarily require protection from, but our systems are not updated yet, and so we have to make do with the remnants of old systems in our present-day brains. When you are triggered, I want you to consider whether it's possible, whether it's even possible, to have your need met under the present circumstances. This is something that a lot of people really don't aim to do. When we get riled up, we don't necessarily, the first thing that we think of isn't necessarily, well, can I do anything about this right now? Is this anger serving me? If you've done a lot of significant work on yourself, then perhaps you do have that response, which is fantastic. But ultimately, when we are angered, when something disrupts us, it takes us out of ourselves, we aren't necessarily thinking, hmm, can I do something about this under this circumstance? And in order to really work through your triggers, it's really important to get into the habit of asking yourself, is it possible under these circumstances, right here, right now, is it possible to have my need, now that you've identified what your need is, the need that is hiding beneath and holding up that trigger, Can that need be met under the current circumstances? And if the answer is no, then you need to learn to walk away. You need to learn to emotionally regulate yourself, to be able to walk yourself down from the ladder of that heightened emotional response. Because if you identify the impossibility of having your need met, you start to transition from a place of victimhood to a position of power and authority. You start to understand that you are, in fact, the driver in this case. You are the one who is deciding. The trigger, okay, perhaps the trigger was not in your control. Here it is. It surfaced. It told you about yourself. It pinpointed you to that need that went unmet or is going unmet. And all of a sudden, you now have a decision to make. You can either choose to stay with the trigger or you can move toward resolving it. These are your two options. There are no other options. And so when you take back your power in this way and you understand that triggering, being triggered is just your body's way, just your mind's way of saying, hey, pay attention. I'm going to keep putting this big poster board up and waving it in front of you and making you really angry or really sad or really emotional until you read the sign. And on that sign that that... Trigger post is holding up is your unmet need. It is literally waving it in front of your face and hoping that this will be the moment that you decide to explore it further, that you will be prepared to explore it further, and it will continue to lift that poster board up until two things happen. One, until you are in a position, and again, this brings in what I mentioned earlier, that you have the appropriate perspective to handle working through that trigger and two that you are willing it is preparedness and willingness together that allow you to work through your triggers and allow you to get to a place where you are no longer out of control of your physiology which ultimately of course leads you to a position of greater emotional stability, greater ability to work with others and connect and be a part and and embed yourself into this world in a productive manner. It is important, it is so important for us to understand our triggers' origins. And I want to talk about trauma for a moment. We won't go terribly in depth here, but it is very important to bring up trauma because when we endure trauma, and I just want to make a note here that trauma is very broadly defined. I I need you to broaden your definition of trauma because what I have seen with clients and with many, many people who I've had the opportunity to work with is that when people endure trauma, there are groups that understand and identify that trauma as trauma because society has this portrayal of what they deem to be traumatic and so if you have this idea of what is traumatic and your life experiences don't necessarily line up with that idea of what trauma is what society teaches you what social media says is trauma, what people are talking about and discussing as their traumas. If you don't make that connection in your own life and you think, oh, well, you know, I didn't undergo this and, and well, I didn't have, my situation wasn't that bad or or that drastic. Suddenly you walk yourself away from the understanding that trauma exists in such a vast array of forms. There are traumas in everyone's life, but not everyone will see them and consider them to be traumas. And that becomes problematic because what you don't view as traumatic, you don't treat as traumatic, even though it has had a traumatic influence on you. And so when we endure trauma, I want you to think of trauma. I want you to actually make a note right now to consider At some point when you are ready, when you are in an emotionally secure place, and only you will know when that is, I want you to consider some of the traumas that you have potentially endured that perhaps you did not consider to be traumas, but now maybe you can see that they were. Maybe they don't look like the traumas that other people are speaking about or that are publicized. But perhaps you are starting to see how something in your past has caused a drastic change that you now are coping with, that is now affecting your life and your behavior in ways that you wish you could undo, that you wish you could correct for, that you know if only you could fix a little bit in this way or that way, you could have a better life. And so when we endure trauma, we are powerless over the outcome of that trauma. That is part of the basic definition of trauma, to endure something over which you are powerless over the outcome. We innately dissociate, this is what happens after this traumatic experience, we innately dissociate from the experience, from what's happening, because it is too painful for us to endure Our protective mechanism is to shut down our conscious awareness of the incident. And so we spend years of our lives unaware, not consciously aware of what it is that has affected us so deeply that affects our relationships, our career trajectory, that puts us in a state of emotional uncertainty or misunderstanding with ourselves. Our triggers bypass our natural protections and activate the memory that's stored in our bodies before we are consciously prepared to deal This is why a trigger can make you feel like a child who is out of control of their body and their their self, of their being. They can't seem to reel in the reaction that their body is displaying because there's literally a bypassing that's taking place. The trigger is bypassing your innate protections And going straight to the activation of that memory that's in your body. Your body holds the memories of your traumas, including those that you have not yet identified as trauma. And that can be a scary thought, a scary realization to come to that there is a story that lives inside of you that you haven't reread. You've only lived it. You've lived it and you've forgotten it. And it lives deeply within you, but you do not have access to it yet. That can be quite frightening to know that we do not know ourselves as well as we think we do despite having been the one person who has been there for every breath and every second of our lives. What you hide from, you become less equipped to deal with. And so the sooner that you awaken, the sooner that you get to a place where you are willing and prepared to confront yourself and your past and the many lives that you've lived in this body, the sooner you will be able to change your own experience of yourself. And I want to leave you with this that recognizing your triggers is only the first step in understanding where they come from or where they came from recognizing your trigger is just step one the second step is the reclamation of your personal power and I can write out a lengthy list of steps, but, but there really are only two. Because this second step of reclaiming your personal power, you can consider the first step as your willingness. When your willingness kicks in, you start to recognize your triggers and you start to understand that it's not serving you to continue to be triggered and just live a life where that's just the reality of your emotionality. But that second step, once you've recognized what your triggers are, once you have identified the core need beneath that trigger, which means you've started to understand and see yourself for your truth, for who you are unapologetically acknowledging that what you need does not make you bad. It does not make you worse than anyone else. It is not something to reprimand yourself for, for needing things that you might not want to need because you think your life would be simpler or better if you didn't need that one thing that you just can't help yourself but crave or desire. When you start to honor yourself, for whatever needs, whatever genuine core needs you have. Then you start to stand in a position of power. You start to exist in a way where now you understand that it's no longer out of your control as it once was. You are no longer being triggered blindly and having to just calm yourself down or take time away and then return back into an environment that is just waiting to trigger you again. You are now the person who invites it, invites the trigger and says, I know why you're here. I know what you're here to tell me. And I'm listening. I am listening to what you are teaching me about me. And when you are ready to listen, you are ready to make the choice to either stay in this endless cycle of trigger and reaction, trigger and reaction. A cycle that you will never get out of if you do not go one step further and figure out how to respond to the core need that is requesting your attention. So with that, I leave you with the hope that you will listen again to this episode, or to yourself. If it's sunk in deep enough the first go around, then listen to yourself, write down the needs that really resonated with you, and consider things that trigger you, when they trigger you, and then why. And sit with that question, why, for as long as you need, for as many days as you need, revisit it, and I'm certain That you will start to call in more fluidity into your life more peace and purpose and everything that you could possibly desire because you will have a better understanding of who it is that you are and what it is that you need from yourself i love you guys so very much and as always i am here for and with you If this episode resonated with you, I just ask graciously that you share it with someone who you think it may also benefit. And if you feel pulled to, please do leave a review helping me to understand what it is that you are personally gaining from these episodes so that I can continue to supply you with what benefits you most. Have a beautiful rest of your week.